In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Come on in, take your shoes off, get comfortable. I'm Jake Johnson, and this is Untethered Live on a Sunday night. You know what that means. It's Bible study night. Tonight, we're in the great book of Judges, chapter 13, verse 20. That's where we left off. That's where we're going to pick up. How are you doing? How's the world where you are? It's raining like cats and dogs here. I know because I went outside and stepped right in a poodle. Lisa Reen, what's happening? Hello. Welcome to the show. Come on in. How are you doing this fine evening? I'm a little hoarse today. It's all the rain. That's all right. I'd rather be a little hoarse than a little jackass. Or a little frog. That'd be bad. It's gorgeous here in Kansas today. Oh. Well, I'm not in Kansas anymore. It's raining bad out here. Well, it just it stopped at the moment, but it's been raining all afternoon. But it's soggy out there, nonetheless. But I'm glad it's nice weather where you are. That means it ain't all over the whole country. But uh, we had uh, severe thunderstorm warnings all day today for the whole state. The whole state's covered in rain. That's all right. It'll be all right in the morning. As long as the internet holds out, we're good. Of course, I do have a bad habit of losing internet when it rains, so I may be here, I may not, who knows. But I think it'll be all right. It's been holding pretty strong. And now the worst of it's over, so I can't imagine that uh, it just go out for no reason. How was your week? It was good. Had a long week. Uh, didn't really accomplish much, but wasn't bad. It was comfortable. Thank you for asking. How was yours? Had a couple good podcasts this week. I was happy with. And uh, Cowboys 8 panel, what's up? The worst is over. Good. Where are you at, Cowboys? What state are you in? I believe I've already asked this question, but I can't remember the answer. But I'm glad the worst is over anyway. I don't like thunderstorms. Puts a damper on your day. 
West Georgia. Okay. That is a GA, right? No, that's OA. What is it? OA. Is that Oklahoma? PA. Gotcha. Pennsylvania. Got it. Thought I missed something there. Thought Oklahoma was okay. Boring mostly, but today I got a lot of stuff accomplished. Yay me. Yay you. I'm glad you got it. Get it while the getting's good, because you ain't getting any younger. He says as he looks in the mirror. Looks at the length of his teeth. And his scraggly beard. Charges for the day. Where are you? I'm in North Carolina. On the east coast. Eastern part of North Carolina. You could say I've been on the east coast my whole life. I lived in Florida for a while. I lived in Georgia for a while twice. I lived in South Carolina for a short while. I lived in North Carolina. And I visited places like Kansas and North Dakota and Tennessee and Oklahoma and Texas and Louisiana. I lived in Louisiana for a little while, short while. That's kind of East Coast, but it's Midwest adjacent. And I lived in Texarkana for nine months, which is a really little while. Texarkana is right between Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas. April Love, good to see you, sweetheart. Welcome to the show. Louisiana, is it Oklahoma? Can't remember. Texarkana, Arkansas, Texas, and Oklahoma, or Kansas. I don't know. Texarkana, you find it. I was nine. Give me a break. There's a big lake there, so big you couldn't even see the other side of it. And I lived there on the coast of that lake. And there was lots of logs laying down, so we'd walk across those logs, look at the fiddler crabs and such. And uh, I learned some very valuable lessons there in Texarkana. I've been around a bit, LOL. Uh, a little bit. I can't read. My glasses are going bad. April says, hello, welcome Lisa Reen and Cowboys 8 panel. Good to see you, loves. Good to see you too, sweetie. How are things? Hope you're staying dry down there in Florida town. I got out in the rain today and went to the store soaking wet like a hurricane. And uh, that's good for you. I'm not, I'm trying hard not to be negative, LOL. Well, don't be negative, be positive. Remember that electrons flow from negative to positive. So if you want to be energetic, be positive. I'm not sure if that works for attitudes, but it works for electricity, so. Why would you not be, ne why would you be negative? You're beautiful, you're young, you're rich, you're spry, you're happy, 
nothing to be negative about. You know me? I mean, come on. You're like a millionaire now. What more could you want? It's going to be a good, good, uh, going to be a good lesson tonight. This book of Judges is quite interesting. A lot of stuff went on back then. A lot of ups and downs, ins and outs, goods and bads. I sprayed some soap on the hibiscus flowers in the rain. Flowers, yay, says Cowboys 8 Pound. That sounds fun. Hibiscus. Is that the, that's them purple ones, right? Oh, the purple flower. My sister is a florist whose last name is Flores. Interestingly enough, genuine last name. Had no idea she was going to become a florist until she did. Aha, says April. It's so hard when your times are hard and emotionally distraught. Always happens at the lowest times. I'm sorry you're having a tough time, honey. What are you having troubles with? Tell me, besides your pet. Besides that, what's going on in your life? I already know about that one. And let me see if I can't make you feel better. Negative would be others, ants, dog poo, and dumping, says Cowboys 8 Panel. Yeah, that would be negative. Missy is beautiful, and I love her flower shop. Yes, she is, and yes, you do. And she does, too. And she's got a great flower shop. And she makes good flowers. She's very, very talented at it. I, on the other hand, am not. I can mimic, but that's it. Of course, that tripped her out, because she didn't expect me to be able to do that. I got news for you, honey. Anything you can do, I can do better. Not true, but fun to say. Lisa Reen says, I clipped a bit from one of your podcasts and posted it on my Facebook. Awesome. Cool. Thank you. I am super shadow banned, but I am proud of that clip. I hope someone sees it. I rarely get on Facebook. The only time I go on Facebook anymore is to promote the podcast. I don't, I don't ever visit it. About once a month, I'll check my messages, and that's it. April says, I love her so much. She is very gifted at it, talking about my sister. Yes, she is. So what are your troubles, honey? Are you going to tell me? So I can make you feel better about it? And I can. I know some things that you don't know. I'll hook you up, and then you'll know them. But I got to know what the problem is so I know where to aim this thing. Let's get it out of here. Get you back on the right track. Happy. Like Lisa Reen, who used one of my clips on her Facebook page. I'm going to have to go check that out. Do you know which one it was?
and I appreciate you clipping my content. That's nice. No, you know a lot. I'm learning from you. Well, yeah, that's not what I meant by that. We love you, April. Cheer up, girl. Chin up, girl, says Lisa Reen. That's That's what I meant by that. There's only three kinds of problems. I was just trying to get at which one it was. There's death, love, and money. That's it. All problems stem from those three things. In the rare event that something is that that isn't that, uh, that's rare. I'm suffering from Mother Nature and in and out of mood swings. I hate it. Oh, yeah, well, that's one of those three. There's nothing you can do about it right now. But really? Still? That's amazing. I didn't know such a thing, Mr. McGee. And you misspelled God, by the way. Am I going to ban you? Hit the subscribe button before I ban you. One minute. I'm nice. And the next, my head is spinning. Ugh. Cowboys 8 panel says, popcorn and roses, April. I think that's what that is. Looks like popcorn. Might be an old smiley face. I'm not sure. <laughs> an old smiley face. I like it. I hadn't seen that one. Well, listen. What, as with all demons... A light just went out. I guess that light has just had it. It just does not want to stay on. As with all demons, if you're aware of it, you can put it to bed. So now that you're aware of it, and you know that... That's too much. And you know that you just got to deal with a shadow on my face that light's going out. You know that you're having mood swings... Calm your little self down, take a deep breath, tell yourself this is a mood swing, and grit your teeth, and work through it, and it'll go away. Let me see if I can brighten up the screen a little bit. That might help. Da-da-da, 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 the Elmo song. That's better. I can live with that. Except now my mouse is freezing up on me. Okay, there's still a shadow on my face, but you just have to deal with it. I am breathing and relaxing. Nice. Kevin says, hey, Jake, Lisa Reen, and Cowboy. Kevin, don't speak. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. 
You can always tell when you're over the target. That's when you get the most flack. And you're out of here. And if you come back, I'll do it again. Well, chin up, honey. Life is full of different stuff, good and bad. All of it ain't going to be good. But some of it is. April says, bam. That's right. Bam hammer. Strike it while it's hot. I have a pair of underwear that has a band hammer on it. Got it as a gift. I learned a little bit about labeling things that irk me. That is that and this is this. Yeah, it can be irksome to label things. There are labels, but most of them are general. To get specific is a problem. For example, you've heard the expression, there's two kinds of people in the world. Well, there's all kinds of two kinds of people in the world. You can boil everything down to a dichotomy. And in some instances, one of those might fit the scenario, but there's thousands of other ones, you know. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's the people that believe and the people that don't. Well, that, that works for some stuff, but there's also two kinds of people in the world, people that pay taxes and people that don't. People that fish, people that don't. People that have red cars and people that don't, you know. So labeling is only sufficient when in context with the thing you're labeling. What did you learn specifically, and how does how can you apply it to your life for anyone who's listening? Wouldn't own a red car anyways. Ha ha ha. I wouldn't own any kind of car at this moment. Well, we got ourselves a sports update from Kevin Cox. The all-star game for baseball is tomorrow night. That means that MLB is not having any games until Wednesday. However, the MLB draft is going on as we speak, or in my situation, type. Back to you, Bob. Oh, and the Devil Rays pick in the 19th slot. Interesting. Sports fans... There's your daily update. Y'all have to forgive me. I'm a little under the weather today. Little, little, uh, being out in the rain too much. So, Cowboys 8 panel, what did you learn about labeling and how can you apply it to your life for anybody who might be listening? It's all rigged, says April. It can be. That seems to be the way it is anymore.
since 2008 anyway. When that law was passed that lifted the ban on propagandizing, everything has been different since then. <coughs> Pardon me. Exactly, says April. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know all about that stuff. It's kind of hard to put into words, but it's out there. All you got to do is watch the news and you'll see it. It doesn't matter which channel you're watching because you can't get the truth anywhere any, anymore anyway. I'm getting takeout at Gators, says Kevin Cox. They're close, they closing early because of several employees called in tonight. This world is lazy. Lazy, crazy, and meager. No YHS. Or no yes. Or yes, no. Cowboys 8 Pound says, I try to focus on me and find others are, well, you know. Troubles. Problematic. Yes, I know. ATL, what's up, buddy? Yes, the government is corrupt, and so is every other institution. It is the true systemic problem. Corruption. Sorry, typo. I figured it was a typo. It's either no yes or no thanks. Or no Yankees. Could be that. I'm in favor of that one. I don't mind Yankees at all. I'm just teasing. I prefer damn Yankees, though. Do you know what the difference between a Yankee and a damn Yankee is? A Yankee is somebody from up north. A damn Yankee is somebody that's from up north that moves down south because it's better. There's a lot of those in Florida. Which is where that expression comes from, oddly enough. Kevin says, I try to focus on bourbon. It works. For some, it might. It don't work for me. I tried to be a drinker. It just did not pan out. I don't have the metabolism for it. But most people self-medicate in some fashion. It's necessary. It's a painful world we live in. Why do you think God included it in all the herbs and stuff? If you're lucky enough to find this, your troubles are over for a little while. Unless you combine it with that, and then it'll cause you problems. April says, I focus more on others' needs than myself, and I don't complain about it, nor ask for anything unless I absolutely in dire need. So I will absolutely 100% live to give love and support for that. That's what. Well, I appreciate that because I'm one of them people. 
Kevin says, we have been getting a lot of rain lately. How about you guys? Same here. April said, that's what Jesus said to do, and that's exactly what Jesus said to do. Love your neighbor, help your brother, and support things you believe in. Not in those words, but that's the sentiment that's there. <coughs> All right, it's 825. <coughs> Pardon me. Let's get after it, shall we? Kevin says, by the way, Florida is officially in hurricane season. Had a bad one last year. Yes, you did. Rough one. Let's go down, shall we? Can I get a book, please? Thank you. All right. If you got your Bibles handy, crack them open to chapter 13, verse 20. And let's see what this great book of Judges has in store for us tonight. Let's start, says April. I wonder where Bubby Watt's at. Yeah, I don't know where he's at. I hadn't seen him today. He might be in the background listening. Yes, we are somewhere near Samson. For it came to pass when the flame went up towards heaven from off the altar that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. Now, keep in mind that just about every time an angel appears, the people's instinct is to fall to the ground, put their face at their feet. And the angel usually says, get up, don't worship me. I'm not here to be worshipped. I'm just like you. I'm a messenger from God, but I'm just like you. You worship God, you don't worship angels. So this is a false instinct to worship anything that's more powerful than you. You worship God, period. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and his wife than Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. Yeah, because he appeared when you sacrificed to him. That's the angel that works for God. That would be Gabriel, the archangel. And Manoah and his wife, sorry, and Manoah said unto his wife, where's my, there he is. We shall surely die because we have seen God. No, you haven't seen God. You saw an angel. But his wife said unto him, if the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would not have received the burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would he have showed us all these things, nor would, as at this time, have told us such things as these. Now, it didn't go into what the angel told them. It didn't go into what it showed them. But clearly, the wife understands what's happening here. The man is terrified that he's going to die because he saw God. He did not see God. He saw an angel of God. That's different. Undoubtedly, the angel that appeared before Manoah and his wife told them that they were about to conceive a son and what to do with him because this is a special kid they're about to bear. You don't even know if angels can see God. They most certainly can see God. And the woman bare a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol, meaning that he would uh, get bouts of information that he would share with people. 
uh, get bouts of visions that he would see that came to pass, that sort of thing. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. To which his parents said, slow your roll there, Samson. You're only nine years old. You had to wait a little while. They didn't say that. So in other words, he went to town and saw a hottie and fell in love. This, you will learn, is the downfall of most men, including those of the Bible. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said, But mom, she's hot. He didn't say that. And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. He kind of said that. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines. For at that time, the Philistines had dominion over Israel. So at this particular portion of time, the Philistines were in charge of, of that area. And God sought to take them down a peg or two. The only way he can do that is to put someone in there who can do so. And that would be Samson. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. A young lion, kitty cat. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. In other words, he ripped it in half. Much like you do a kid when you, per, per, this is an allusion to the Hebrew blood covenant where they would split a kid down the middle, put both halves on either side of a party, and the party would then walk through it while making promises to each other and worshiping God. That's where the expression, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death comes from, Hebrew blood covenant. Look into it. It's pretty interesting. That's what this means. That's, that's the expression being used here. And he had nothing in his hand, meaning he didn't use a knife. He split it by grabbing it and ripping it in half. Strong kid, this kid. But he told not his father or his mother what he had done. He killed it when they weren't looking. That's a red flag, by the way. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. And he said, hey. You know, I just killed a lion. She was like, ooh. That didn't happen. And after a time, he returned to take her. And she turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion, which is weird. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and his mother, and he gave them. This is all happening in the same day. It seems like there's a period of time that's passed because it says that he went away and came back, but he went away in the market and came back. Uh -oh. He gave his father and his mother, and they did eat. But he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion, because that would be gross. So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast. For so used the young men to do so. 
In other words, in those days, it was customary for the son to cook for the parents while on vacation. And it came to pass when they saw him that they brought 30 companions to be with him. They're trying to get him. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you, if you can certainly declare it with me. Sorry, if you can certainly declare it to me within seven days of the feast, and I find it out, then I will give you 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. But if you cannot declare it me, then shall you give me 30 sheets and 30 changes of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle that we may hear it. This is a bit of a challenge to the friends that have gathered around. Apparently, Samson is looking to up his wardrobe. And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband, that he may declare unto us the riddle. Now, this is calling Samson's girl his wife already. Um, let me go back and read and make sure I didn't skip something. I'm guessing this feast that they're having is the engagement party. It doesn't say. But this next line, when he gives out the riddle at the party, the next line says that they ask his wife to entice thy husband, that he may declare unto us the riddle. It's the honey from the carcass of the line. Come on. Lest we burn thee in thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take that we have? Is it not so? That's a pretty rough way to put it. Hey, go ask your husband if he can tell us the truth or we'll burn you and your family. Is not this our land? Did we not come to take what's ours? And Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou dost but hate me and lovest me not. Already playing the pity party games with him. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother. And shall I tell thee? And she wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, because she lay sore upon him. In other words, she was really putting the guilt trip on him, really laying it on thick, wouldn't talk to him, crying all the time talking about how bad she feels and how everybody is against her and blah, blah, blah. You've heard this story before. And she told the riddle to the children of her people because he finally gave in and told her because woman is mightier than the sword. Remember that, ladies. And the men of the city said unto him on the seventh day, before the sun went down, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said unto them, If ye had not plowed me, or sorry, if you had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. In other words, the answer is Samson. 
And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Eshkelon and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave change of garments unto them, which expounded the riddle, and his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. Why is he mad? Because they answered his riddle, and he knows where it came from, only he hasn't admitted it to himself yet. He knows his wife has abandoned him or betrayed him at the very least. He just doesn't want to admit it, and it takes a little bit to get him to admit it. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. He brought him as, as his guest, his friend. <clears throat> but it came to pass within a while after, in the time of wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid, and he said, I will go in to my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go in. And her father said, I verily thought that thou hast utterly hated her. Therefore, I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. Well, now we've got a problem because Samson has claimed this woman to be his wife. Now I understand what that what calling her, her him his wife meant. They're betrothed, not married yet. And so while he's gone out doing his thing, her father gives him to his, Samson's friend. So she's already been claimed, even though Samson claimed her already. And so now he's trying to entice Samson with her, his younger daughter, which ain't bad for Samson, but you know. Samson said concerning them, now I shall now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure, because he's about to whoop some tail. Samson went and caught three hundred foxes and took firebrands and turned tail to tail and put a firebrand in the midst between the two tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go into the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up both the shocks, and also the standing corn with the vineyards and the olives. In other words, he made flaming arrows out of foxtails and burned down their crops because he's mad. Then the Philistine said, Who hath done this? And they answered, Samson, the son of the, the son-in-law of Timnite, of the Timnite. They're in Timnath. That's the land of the Timnites. Because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion, and the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. And Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet will I be avenged of you. And after that I will cease. I'm going to raise hell, and I'm going to kill you all. And when I'm done, I'll calm down. So you don't have to worry about me after that. But I'm getting my revenge. And he smote them hip and thigh with a great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock Etam. Now this rock Etam has been used a couple of times in the Bible. I believe, I might be wrong about this, but I believe this is the same rock where David and Jonathan used to hang out. Anyway. Then the Philistines went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Leah. Lehi, excuse me. 
And the men of Judah said, Why are you come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson are we come up, to do him as he hath done to us. So now we've got both sides. Everything is so damn brutal. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. We've got both sides against each other because of a woman. Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock Etham and said to Samson, Knowest thou not that the Philistines are rulers over us? Don't you understand they're in charge? Andrew Langlois, there's a name I hadn't seen in a while. Yes. Etum, not Etam. Different place. But I like the way you think, Andrew. Etum, E-T-O-M, is where Esau is from. Etam is a different spot. Don't you know that they're in charge? They're rulers over us? <laughs> what is this that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, as they did unto me. So I have done unto them. It's a he said, she said moment. He's blaming them and they're blaming him. They both did wrong. And they said unto him, we are come down to bind thee, that we may deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines, to which uh, Samson replied, you just try it, buddy. He didn't say that. And Samson said unto them, swear unto me that you will not fall upon me yourselves. He said, I'll go with you if you'll swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves, because I got business to attend while I'm there. And they spake unto him, saying, No. But we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hands, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords, big mistake, buddies, and brought him up from the rock. Those two new cords, that don't mean anything to this man, Samson, who it has not alluded to yet, but was quite the strapping gentleman. He was very, very strong. And when he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire, and his bands loosed from off his hands. They just fell off. He just ripped them off. No problem. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith with the jawbone of an ass. No sword, no whip, no spear, no battle axe, just a jawbone. He killed a thousand men that day. And Samson said, with the jawbone of an ass, heaps upon heaps, with the jawbone of an ass, I have slain a thousand men. And it came to pass. When he had made an end of speaking, that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand and called the place... Ramath Lehi, which translates roughly to the place where I stomped everybody's tail. And he was sore athirst, because killing folks makes you thirsty. <laughs> and called on the Lord and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. Now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? But God clave in hollow place that was in the jaw made him start saliva, salivating. 
and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore he called the name thereof Enochor, which is in Lehi unto this day. Now there's two ways to read this. Either the water came out of his own jaw or the jaw of the ass that he threw away. One or the other. Doesn't matter which. The important part is, is that God gave him enough to drink. And he regained his strength. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines for 20 years. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there an harlot and went in unto her. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him in. They surrounded him and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city while he was in there with the prostitute. And were quiet all night, saying in the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. Mm, did you not see him kill a thousand men with a bone? And Samson lay till midday and arose at noon, that's midday, and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of an hill that is before Hebron. What? He gets laid, so now he's Superman? No. He understood that they were there to kill him. He knew they were there. And they're lying outside of the gate of the city, like in the brush and around the edge of the entrance to the city, you understand, so that when he comes out, they all going to attack him and kill him. So what he does is invites them in by removing the gates of the city. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the gates of a city or not, but these are not small doors. These are very tall doors designed to let camels in with people on top of them, probably made of metal or stone, probably could be wood, but most likely metal. He rips them bar and all, which means he took both sets of doors that were barred closed. You know how you put the bar across the middle and picked both sets of doors up and put them on his shoulders and walked up a hill with them in front of everybody that was there to kill him, and none of them could do that. So he's kind of doing two things. He's inviting them in, and he's showing them what a bad butt he is. That's amazing. So anyway, and it came to pass afterwards that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, not the prostitute person who said her name was Delilah. It was not. She's a prostitute in Hebron. Now he's in Sorek, which is... Spock's father's name, I think, whose name was Delilah. So he, this is the third woman that he's been with in the book. First one he was in love with. The second one was a prostitute. The third one he was in love with. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth and by what means we may prevail against him because we just saw him move a door back there in Hebron that was big enough that all of us couldn't have moved. He's pretty tough. And he killed a thousand men with a jawbone. Bad butt. I almost said ass, but I'm trying to watch my mouth. Because I do have a sailor mouth. So they asked her to find out 
what kind of strength he has and how they can prevail against him, that we may bind him and to afflict him, and we will give thee, every one of us, eleven hundred pieces of silver. They only gave thirty pieces for Christ. That tell you anything? Each one of them would give her eleven hundred pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. Delilah, the woman he loves, knew full well they were going to kill him when she betrays him. Because they told her as much just then. They mean to bind him and afflict him. Go find out how we can do that. And Delilah said unto Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. She, well, at least she's honest, you know. At least she came right out with it. And Samson said unto her, If they bind me with seven green withs, I'm assuming that means strings, or uh, maybe it's twine, that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as any other man or another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green withs, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. That should have been a red flag there, Samson, but he plays along. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. There's guys inside the room when Samson comes in. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the withs as a thread of toe is broken. A toe is definitely twine. So I guess that's, maybe it's uh, like a vine. I don't know exactly what a width is, but you get the idea. It's thin thread. He broke as a thread of toe is broken. Whence it toucheth the fire. In other words, it snapped easily. So his strength was not known. So that wasn't it. Okay. Delilah is a double agent because she's clearly working for the Philistines here trying to get his information. But when he walks in the room, she warns him that they're there to kill him. Why does she do that? Maybe she likes him a little bit. Maybe she just wants the 1,100 pieces of silver from every man that it was with that guy at that time. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. To which he said, Well, you see what you did with what I told you? He didn't say that. <coughs> and he said unto her, if they bind me fast with new ropes that were that were occupied that were never occupied, then shall I be weakened as another man. Again, not true. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith, and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. Now I think she's playing with him. Same thing. Binds him up herself and then warns him they're there to kill him. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber. And he brake them from off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto him, unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me again and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my hair, or my head, with the web, meaning if you put my hair in a French braid, 
which is basically what they're talking about. And she fastened it with a pin and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awakened out of his sleep and went away with a pin of the beam and with a web. In other words, he left that place wearing a French braid. What a laughing stock he must have been, huh? And she said unto him, How canst thou say, I love thee, when thine heart is not with me? And thou hast mocked me these three times. You've told me how to kill you, and you didn't let me kill you. How could you love me if you won't let me kill you? And Samson's like, well, I'm not an idiot. But apparently he is, because he does love her. And hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. He's so tired of hearing her talk that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head. Now, you see, this is not ignorance. This is um, naivety. He's thinking, ain't nobody going to be able to cut my hair because I'll stop them. And she's been nagging at him for days and days and days. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. So finally he says, you know what? It's because I got long hair. That's why. <clears throat> and uh, then he tells her foolishly that I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. What does that mean? That means he's never drank anything strong. He's never eaten meat. Hey, Ajot, I just saw you walk in. I've been eyeballing you. Great read tonight. Thank you. Appreciate you. A Nazarite is a vow given to God. They don't cut their hair at all, ever. They don't eat anything strong. They don't drink anything strong. They eat locusts and bugs and herbs and things like that. And they drink honey and milk. That's it. So they're pure, which is why he's so strong and so well put together. Let that be a lesson to all you folks out there, that if you want to be strong and well put together, stop eating processed foods and start eating things that grow out of the ground. Simple, easy, effective, not nearly as filling, but we'll do the job. So he says, I've been a Nazarite from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like an, another, any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he hath showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. They're ready to pay her off because she's finally figured it out. Well, keep in mind that at the beginning of this tale, the very first part of this story says that though that his parents didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing, that this was of God because God sought to go against the Philistines. So everything that has transpired into this moment, the fights with the Philistines, the running, the people lying in wait, the Delilah trying to get him to tell her to her secret, tell him her, tell her his secrets. All of that is ordained by God, which is why it's happening this way. 
because this no man of any conscience mentality would ever do this willingly unless he had an ulterior motive. You have to read between the lines a little bit in this story, but you have to understand that he knows she's playing him. She's done it three times. He knows. So go figure. It's my honey, my baby. Don't put my love upon your shelf. Don't give me no lies and keep your thing to yourself. And when did I... I read that part. And she made him sleep upon her knees. In other words, his head was on her lap and she was rubbing his hair until he fell asleep. And she called for the man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. And she said to the Philistines, the Philistines be upon, she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He didn't realize he was bald. Remember, he had a French braid in his hair the last time they were talking. I don't know if it stayed there or not, but. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house, meaning they put him to work. Howbeit, the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven, which meant he was in prison for a little while. Long enough for his hair to begin to grow again. And guess what that means? The hair began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their lowercase g god, and rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Now that line is exactly why Samson is there. Because they worship Dagon, and God wanted to put a stop to that. So he put Samson in this position, because Samson is one of God's. <clears throat> and when the people saw him, they praised their lowercase g God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. Mm, I don't think he has. It's our God that did that. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry, meaning they were drunk, and they said, call for Samson that he may make a sport. In other words, this blind guy with no eyes and in chains of brass. Bring him out so we can make fun of him. And they called for Samson out of the prison house. And he made them sport, meaning he entertained them for a little while. And they set him between the pillars, meaning this, if you've ever seen a promenade or a, um, a Roman building, it's the, the big stone roof is held up by pillars. So they fastened him between two pillars because no man can move those things, right? And uh, started to make fun of him, probably throw things at him and such. Make fun of his bald head. And Sap Samson said unto the lad that held him by his hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. He's playing the fool here. Let me lean up here. I'm tired. I can't see. Let me feel the pillars. 
Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistines were there, all of them. They're all under one roof, one giant stone roof. And there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Simon made sport. So there's 3,000 people on the roof. Imagine how many people's inside the building. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once. O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines from my eyes, from my two eyes. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood. Those are the load-bearing support beams. And on which it was borne up, meaning it's what held it up. Of the one with his right hand and of the other with his left. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon all the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. More than thousands of men. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the burying place of Manoah his father. And he judged Israel for twenty years. And there was a man from Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah, or Micah, let's go with Micah. And he said unto his mother, The eleven hundred shekels of silver that were taken from thee, about which thou cursedest and spake of also in mine ears, behold, the silver is with me, I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my son. See what happens when you're honest? You get blessed by God. This is a different story, by the way. And when he had restored the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord for my hand, for my son, from my hand for my son, to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Don't do that. That's not what God wants. Hey, Dana, welcome to the show. Come on in. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took two hundred shekels of silver and gave them to the founder who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And the man Micah had an house of gods, lowercase g, and made an ephod and teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest, an ephod and a teraphim, an ephod is a container. I don't know what a teraphim is. Let's find out, shall we? Give me a second. Where's my mouse? I always get confused. An ephod is a vest and an ephod is a container, I believe. I may have that backwards, but I'm about to find out. Okay, a teraphim is a small image. 
So an ephod is a container, and he had a small image like a, a little statue. That's what a teraphim is. Used domestically for oracles and deities by ancient Semitic peoples, meaning they thought that it gave them some kind of uh, insight into the afterlife. Let them talk to God or something like that. Only God doesn't like that. So keep in mind, don't make graven images. The name is Medusa. Is it now? Well, that could be a terrible, yeah. Where am I at? Made an ephod and a teraphim and consecrated one of his sons who became his priest in this false god's house. In those days, there were no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. So it was like the wild, wild west. And there was a young man out of Bethlehem, Judah, which is Bethlehem where the Judaic people live of the family of Judah, which is why it's called Bethlehem Judah, who was a Levite, and he sojourned there. Well, he was either a Levite or he was Judah. He can't be both. So apparently he lived with the Jewish people, but he was a Levite. And this young man and the man departed out of the city of Bethlehem, Judah, to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim, to the house of Micah, as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? There's a strange question. And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah. I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me. And be unto me a father and a priest. And I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year. To which he said, that's not a lot of cash, bro. He didn't say that. And a suit of apparel. Oh, and now you got me. And the victuals. So the Levite went in. So basically, he's going to give him room and board to stay there. So he stayed for a while. And the Levite was content to dwell with the man. And the young man was unto him as one of his sons. And Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man became his priest, and was in the house of Micah. Then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do good to me, seeing I have a Levite to my priest. Well, you see, in those days, they weren't that choosy. They would follow whatever God would do them well. They knew about God, God. They just chose to follow other gods, too. But he thinks because he's got a Levite in the house that God's going to be good to him. wonder if that's true. In those days, there was no king in Israel. In those days, the tribe of the Danites sought them an inheritance to dwell in. For unto that day, all their inheritance had not fallen unto them among the tribes of Israel. So they hadn't got their inheritance yet. So they're looking. And the children of Dan sent of their family five men from their coasts, men of valor from Zorah and from Eshtol, the same place Samson came from, right in between, to spy out the land and to search it. And they said unto them, Go, search the land. 
who when they came to Mount Ephraim to the house of Micah, they lodged there. And when they were by the house of Micah, they knew the voice of the young man, the Levite. And they turned in thither and said unto him, Who brought thee hither? Where did you come from? How did you get here? And what makest thou in this place? And what hast thou here? A lot of questions. And he said unto them, Thus and thus dealeth Micah with me, and hath hired me, and I am his priest. So they said, Ain't you a Levite? And they said unto him, Ask counsel, we pray thee, of God, our God, that we may know whether our way which we go shall be prosperous. And the priest said unto them, Go in peace, before the Lord is your way wherein ye go. Wherever you go, that's where you should be. That's what he told them. Go in peace. Wherever you end up, that's where you're supposed to be. Then the five men departed and came to Lish, or Lash, 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 and saw the people that were therein, how they dwelt careless after the manner of the Zidonians, quiet and secure. And there was no magistrate in the land that might put them to shame in anything. And they were far from Zidonians and had no business with any man. They were just kind of there. They were dwellers. And they came under their brother, they came under their brethren to Zorah and Eshtol, and their brethren said unto them, What say ye? And they said, Arise, that we may go up against them. For we have seen the land, and behold, it is very good. And are ye still, are you still ready? Be not slothful to go, don't be lazy, and to enter to possess the land. This is your land. God promised it to you. Let's go get it. When ye go, ye shall come unto the people secure, and to a large land, for God hath given it into your hands, a place where there is no want of anything that is in the earth. These people are miserable. They don't want anything. They're not working. They're not setting up cities. They're not doing anything. They're just there. So this is your place. And there went from thence of the family of the Danites out of Zorah and out of Eshtol 600 men appointed with weapons of war. And they went up and pitched in kirjath in Judah. Wherefore they called that place Mahanadan. 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 I'm going to go with that one. Mahanadan. Unto this day. Behold. It is behind Kirjath Jerem. So, Mahanadan is behind Kirjath. And they passed thence unto Mount Ephraim and came unto the house of Micah and answered the five men that went to spy out the country of Laish and said unto their brethren, Do you know that there is in these houses an ephod and a teraphim and a graven image and a molten image? Now, therefore, consider what you have to do. You got to tear that down because God told you don't have those things. This they are in the right. I don't know whether the uh, Levite is in the right or not. And they turned thitherward and came to the house of the young man, the Levite, even into the house of Micah, and saluted him. 
and the 600 men appointed with their weapons of war, which were of the children of Dan, stood by the entering of the gate. And the five men that went to spy out the land went up and came in thither and took the graven image and the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. And the priests stood in the entering of the gate with the 600 men that were appointed weapons of war. So he's standing there, unable to do anything while they just ramsack his house and take his things. And these went into Micah's house and fetched the carved image, the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. Then said the priest unto them, What do ye? That's the Levite talking. And they said unto him, Hold thy peace, lay thine hand upon thy mouth, and go with us, and be to us a father and a priest. It is better for thee to be a priest unto the house of one man or that thou be a priest unto a tribe and family in Israel? Is it better? That's a question. I messed that up. Is it better to be a priest to one man or to a tribe and a family in Israel? And the priest's heart was glad, and he took the ephod and the teraphim and the graven image and went in the midst of the people. So they turned and departed and put the little ones and the cattle and the carriage before them. So they didn't kill anybody, I guess. And when they were a good way from the house of Micah, the men that were in the house near to Micah, they, when, the, when the men that were in the houses near to Micah's house were gathered together and overtook the children of Dan, they cried unto the children of Dan. And they turned their faces and said unto Micah, What aileth thee that thou comest with such company? And he said, Ye have taken away my gods which I made, the priest, and ye are gone away. And what have I more? What You took everything I have. Why do you think I'm here? I'm here to get my stuff back. So apparently this priest had lots of friends. <coughs> and what is this that ye say unto me? What aileth thee? What do you mean, what aileth thee? You took all my stuff. That's what aileth thee. And the children of Dan said unto him, Let not thy voice be heard among us, lest angry fellows run upon thee, and thou lose thy life with the lives of thy household. This is a threat. This is very clear. Don't talk too loud about your false god. We did you a favor by leaving you alive. Now walk away before you end up dying and killing all the people in your house. And the children of Dan went their way. And when Micah saw that they were too strong for him, he turned and went back into his house. Smart man. And they took the things which Micah made and the priest which he had and came to Laish unto a people that were quiet and secure, were at quiet and secure. In other words, they were to themselves. They didn't bother anybody. And they smote them with the edge of the sword and burnt the city with fire. Well, they got their aggression out anyway. And there was no deliverer, because it was far from Zidon, and they had no business with any man. And it was in the valley that lieth in Betharob. And they built a city and dwelt therein, and they called the name of the city Dan. So if you ever wonder where the Danites went, that's how they got there. After the name of Dan, their father, who was born unto Israel, howbeit the name of the city was Laish at the first 
That's where we're going to stop for today. Going to be an early one tonight, I think. Man, what a story. I hope that touched your heart. I hope it caused you to think. I hope it causes you to dig deeper into the Word of God and try to understand why these things are happening. Try to understand why God gave that land to those people. Now, they did right by the pastor or by the the, 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 the Micah guy and his priest. They didn't kill either one of those guys, but they did take their false idols. That's correct, though it may be harsh and a little bit authoritarianism. Author, author, authoritarianism. I, I, can't, I can't talk. I'm having a stroke. Uh, it may be a little of that, but it is right because commandment number one, that was written way before this guy ever existed. The law is no false gods, no graven images, no burnt anything, no uh, statues, no crosses, none of that. So I hope this story will give you both sides of that and, and, and kind of make you understand. Won't you do me a favor while you're pondering that? Hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online and when my new videos drop. Smash that like button. It's free. It's effortless. It's right in front of you, and it really does help the channel with the algorithm. Helps us get recommended to other people. Won't you do that, please? Share this video with somebody you love. Better yet, share it with somebody you don't love. Bring them into the family. Make them part of the fold. Be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. Leave a comment down below. Let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, conform with me, drink my Kool-Aid, make your own Kool-Aid. As long as you're thinking critical, that's what I want. Critical thought coming from that brain of yours, and hey... If you love the Word of God, and you can see the value in what I'm trying to provide here, and you'd like to help me reach out to other people and get them involved, if you would like to support my work, or if you feel led to send tithes, offerings, or love offerings to the place where you're taught, you can do so. You can support my work by going to paypal.me slash jakejohnsonband, or if you're a Cash App user, dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. It is needed. It is a win-win. It's a blessing to me, but it's a blessing to you too because God does notice these things. And I will do everything in my power to be worthy of it and to give you all the attention that I can. And with that, I will round out this video and take all of your questions and comments. How did you like that? What did you think? Did you learn anything? Does your brain feel like mayonnaise? Do you feel like you've been on a whipping post? Tell me what's on your mind, and I will illuminate. Let me see what I missed in the chat. I missed a lot, huh? Ah, oh, here we go. Nope. More? Yep. A thousand men, Andrew. On his day of living, he killed more than a thousand men. I think that's what you're referring to. When he died, he took with him more than the people he killed while he was alive. That's what the, guy, what the book said. Delilah is her name. Nope. Delilah is the third girl's name. The second girl's name wasn't given. She had a curse on Samson. I don't know if it was a curse, but she definitely wanted that money. Thanks, Andrew Loves, as April. I agree. Lisa Reen says... They should have just paid the prostitute to kill him. Well, unless you cut that hair, can't nobody kill him. 
bad butt, Jake. I love the way you explain it. Keep going. Thank you, sweetheart. I will. So sad. Ouch. We all know what his strengths were. Oh, yeah. And he was hung like a mule. Or some such. I mean, there was his strengths. I mean, where his strengths came from exactly. Hair. Yes. Hey, Jock. Good to see you. Been eyeing you. Great read tonight. Thank you. Boastful, says Lisa Reen. Yes, quite boastful. He was trying to appease his woman, but by the same token, telling her way too much. ATL says, eat kosher, not just stuff that comes out of the ground, to which I reply, read Adam and Eve's story. They were told to eat nuts and herbs and fruit. That stuff comes out of the ground. It is kosher, so you're right. Andrew says, a line from keep your hands to yourself, and I agree. April says, hi, Ajot, good to see you, love. Sorry, I had a phone call on my son for a few minutes. I'm back, says April. Ajot says, April. How are you feeling, Ajot? I'm super excited for you, beautiful, says April. Me too, by the way. Lisa Reen says, why was he so unlovable? Maybe all the killing? I don't know that he was unlovable. I mean, he had three girls in the space of a year or so. Maybe he was just a, a ogre, you know. Maybe he was just too strong for anybody. Maybe he was unlovable. I don't know. She definitely got... You got to understand how much money they offered her. They only gave 30 pieces of silver for Christ to be uh, betrayed. 30 pieces. There were a bunch of men standing there, and they said each one of them would give her 1,100 pieces of silver each if she would do this thing. So they bought her. Everybody has a price, even you. It may be a high price, but it's a price nonetheless. There is a point where you'll be like, okay, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just give me that money. The rare person that that's not true for probably doesn't exist. I don't know. April says, but it's so good. I'm addicted to sugar. Hmm. What are you talking about? What's so good? You didn't tell us the first part of that. I'm guessing coffee. Or maybe I said something that I don't remember. ATL says, Shemaiza taught women sorcery and spells and made up cutting of roots. Yeah. Not sure she was in the Samson story, but you're right about that. ATL says, Hey, Jot, hello. April says, It's all haters in the midst of war. Ugh. Yep. Everybody hates everybody. Anytime you draw battle lines, you got two sides. And somebody's going to die. And somebody's going to win. But they don't like each other. That's right. Ajot says, hello, ATL Transparency News. Andrew says, 2,000 people while he's growing back his hair. More than 2,000. There were 3,000 people on the roof of that place. The inside was full, too. All the lords of that area were there. All of them. I don't know how many there were, but many heads of state were at this party. And there were 3,000 people on the roof 
of the building he brought down on top of the people that were in it and killed everybody, including himself. So lots of people. The angel Shemaziah taught women how to trick men into anything. Hmm. You're referring to the book of Enoch, where the angels came and taught men's spells and incantations and things of that nature, how to make fire and swords and other things, like cutting roots and casting spells. April says, wasn't she Medusa? I think I spelled it wrong. Medusa's not in the Bible. That was the Odyssey. You got the wrong, you got the wrong thick book. Medusa's the chick with the snakes for hair. Dana says, greetings. April says, Dana, good to see you, love. Welcome. <coughs> Pardon me. A little hoarse today. April says, golly. Dana says, April Rain, good to see you too. The name is Medusa. Also from the book, The Odyssey. Dana says, I know people who named their little baby daughter Delilah. Wow, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> right? That's it's like naming your daughter Candy. You're almost guaranteeing she's going to end up on a stripper pole. Andrew says, the only teraphim I would make is a bell. I wouldn't make a teraphim. I don't have any graven images. I do have a crucifix, but it does not belong to me. It was in the house when I inherited it, and it, because it belonged to my parents, or my grandparents, actually, it's still there. But I don't worship it, and I don't look at it, and I don't care about it. It's just a whatnot as far as I'm concerned. But I personally have no graven images, none. I don't even have a picture of the Last Supper. I have one, but it was my mother's, and she painted it. But I don't have one. That belonged to her. April says, thanks for love. You're welcome. I'll give you all the love I got, honey. You give me all the love you got, I'll give you all the love I got. April says, oh, okay. No, I was wondering if Delilah was turned into Medusa. Obviously not, but it sounds a lot like her. Um, in that Medusa was a temptress, yes. But the story goes way deeper. Read the Odyssey. I think you'll like it. Dana says, I didn't know what to say. Correction. Right. You said it right. I, I understood what you meant. April says, you're fine, hon, LOL. I appreciate the correction. I do have word correction on my phone, but I need to change some keyboard preferences. Ugh, LOL. Hmm. I didn't realize I corrected you, but if I corrected you, it's because I was trying to understand what you were saying. Dana says, April Rain, Delilah was a wicked snitch, and Delilah's tribe worshipped their god Dagon. That was the god of the Philistines, all lowercase g's, by the way. True. And I don't know that she was wicked, but she definitely had a price, and they found it. That's what you get for dating strange women, by the way. The Bible warns you not to do that. What does that mean? That means women of a different religious background than you. Not, not race, religion. Don't date strange women because they will turn on you. They will do lots of things that you shouldn't let them do. April said, thanks, Dana. I appreciate you. Dana says, you are very sweet, April Rain. Yes, she is. 
She has almost single-handedly kept this podcast afloat for the past five years. Very sweet. You too, Dana. Aw. Says April. Andrew says, Second commandment. Never make unto me any graven image. That's commandment number one. Catholics split that into two so that they would still have Ten Commandments because they removed one. It's in uh, Leviticus. April says, Amen. Jake, it certainly does touch me and I enjoyed the read. Thank you. I love you. I love you too, sweetheart. I hope you have a great day. Exodus 20, chapter 4. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Yes. April says, be sure to like, subscribe, sub, share. Much love, everybody. Thank you, April. May God bless us all. Bravo, Jake. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. It was a business proposition, right? Yes, they found her price, and she obliged, but she warned him every time. He did not not see it coming. And not only that, she did the binding every time. And the and the, the only time that she let them involved is when they shaved his head. She did not shave his head. They did. But she let him sleep on her lap while they did it. So, you know, she was complicit. I'm not saying she's not in the wrong. She's definitely in the wrong. But it was a business proposition. That woman, if she wasn't at that party and didn't die, she's probably set for life. April says, LOL, Dana. Dana says, April smiles. He was scary in those times, wasn't he? Mm. Cowboys 8 Pound says, and wearing makeup, boys. Huh? When you were preaching about food, says April. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm addicted to sugar, too. But I am aware of what it would take to be healthy. I got it now. She sure was a sneaky snake. She was a sneaky snake. Andrew says, first commandment is never have any gods before me. Those, that's all the same commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The graven images is part of that. You might, you might could technically break that into two commandments, but I'm telling you, it's all about the same thing, not to worship anything other than God. Some people say that when you go through some extreme trauma in your life, the brain has a self-defense mechanism and people forget the trauma. This is why I don't remember school. <laughs> some people can bifurcate and uh, forget traumatic things. I cannot. I also cannot be hypnotized. Way too smart for that. It's too dumb. That's why it can't happen. I also cannot hallucinate, by the way. I have taken hallucinogenic drugs and did not hallucinate. So apparently my brain knows the difference between reality and not. I don't know. It's weird. 
But some people can are very susceptible to suggestion and also can bifurcate and, and repress thoughts and memories and such. I can't do that. I have to live with everything I've done. Look at my eyes. Nothing but pain. I watched The Clash of the Titans. Well, then you know who Medusa is. It's not biblical, but it's a great story. Andrew says, referenced to the Almighty. Right. Jake, you've been putting the work in, and for that, I love and support. I love and support it with you always. Well, thank you, honey. I will always put the work in, and I'm grateful for your support. And I am, uh, you know, popcorn and peanut butter broke. So, you know, every little bit helps. I'm not suggesting anything, but. Dana says, school is a camp of indoctrination. Yes, it is. I am glad I forgot all about the school. I honestly cannot remember a thing I learned in school, and I'm a teacher. Honestly can't remember a thing. I remember being there. I remember being in math class, but I couldn't tell you what we learned while we were there. And I also have an eidetic memory. I remember almost everything, and I can't remember anything from school. So maybe you're right about that. Eidetic, which is different from uh, the other word that I can't think of right now. See? Eidetic means I remember everything if I want to. What do you think about long hair being spiritual? I don't know. Never crossed my mind. Enough said. Enough said. You tell me. What do I think about long hair being spiritual? April says, I believe that. Dana says, school is a traumatic experience. It is good to forget. Well, I know I got beat up a lot in high school. It's pretty traumatic for me. But then again, I lived in a rough area, so I got tough. I'm like, you know that song, Coward of the County? That was me. Until I turned around and locked the door, and you could hear a pin drop. Really, I got the heck out of there. Anyone, says Andrew, that has neurodivergence cannot always be psychologically influenced from prescriptions. Interesting. I did not know that. I know that some things don't work on me that work on other people, like the power of suggestion. Like you can yawn all day long and I won't yawn. But I bet you two or three of you have yawned just because I said the word yawn. You can't hypnotize me. I've tried. I wanted to believe in that stuff. I wanted to believe in psychics and ghosts and all that stuff when I was younger. And I went looking for it. And I couldn't find it. And everywhere I found, all I found were charlatans. There's a bunch of people out there taking advantage of other people. But very, very seldom have I ever found anybody that made sense that could actually do those things. I don't think it's real. I don't think hypnotism is real, but some people swear that they can be hypnotized. 
Am I calling them a liar? Not necessarily because I admit there are things that I don't know, but it doesn't work on me. I can tell you that from experience. And yes, I'm kind of partial of the long hair. And no, it's not an identity thing. Or a political thing. Mostly it's I'm a too lazy to get a haircut thing. But other than that, it's because I've always had long hair. All my life. Some of that could be because of the story we just read. I don't know. April says, I love the second and the sixth. Second and the sixth what? grade you love the second grade and the sixth grade i hated school right up until i went to college and then i found out i was a straight a student but i flunked all the way through grade school do you ground yourself do i ground myself you mean like with a wire or do i tell myself regularly you're just a man you're not anything special what do you mean by that do I ground myself? Well, if I'm messing with electricity, I'd like to ground myself, yes. I am a neighbor and friend of Mark Questus. I don't know who that is. I think our hair are like antennas. Well, mine definitely is. Oh, I understand what you mean now. I found a simpler solution. I just put a dryer sheet in my back pocket. And I don't get electrified. You can also use Scotch Guard or uh, anti static spray. Um, but I don't like to spray myself with things. So I just put a dryer sheet in my back pocket. I understand your question now. Yes, in the wintertime, I get electrocuted every time I touch anything metal. Yes. I once went down a slide in the summertime with my kids and like to never made it out of the slide because it was one of those tubes that goes down and turns. And it shocked me all the way down, like all the way down, getting shocked. And it had metal rivets holding it together. Oh, man, that was rough. PVC, in case you don't know, produces electricity. And some people are electrostatic. And yes, hair is a, an electrostatic magnet. Barefoot on the dirt. For me, it's sock-footed on the carpet, but do you get the the long arcs that shoot out of your fingers or shoot to your fingers from things? Because I can't even get close to anything metal unless I got a dryer lint in my back pocket. And for whatever reason, that softens me up or something. Doesn't let me be become static. That sounded sounded like a strange question at first, but I totally understand where you're coming from. I tell you something else too. Now this could be a matter of what something's made out of. I don't know. It could be the fact that beds used to have box springs with with actual metal springs in them. I don't know. But when I was a kid, and late at night in Georgia in the hot summer nights, when we have a box fan in the window because we didn't have electricity, <coughs> I could hear the radio 
clearly enough to understand what song was being played. Coming through the air. I don't know if everybody's experienced that, and I don't know if it's because of the stuff the fan's made out of or the stuff the bed's made out of or this stuff here. I don't know which, but I know it was done, and I remember it happening. I get a shock once in a while. I get it all the time. April says, ground. Yes, I always went barefooted as a kid. We had stickers, sand spurs. When roly-polies existed, they still exist. I got roly-polies in my yard right now. You're just in a place that don't have roly-polies. Conductive, says Dana. Yes, yes, yes. Yep, that, that's a thing. Has anybody else ever had that experience where they could hear the radio in the air? It could have been because I had fillings in my teeth, too. I don't know. And I've heard all kinds of rumors, but I don't know which is true. But I'm that old, by the way. I am box fan in the window old. I existed before VCRs existed. That'll give you any idea. When I was born, President Ford was in office. That's Ford, as in after Nixon. Well, I had square dancing in school. I went to Spook Hill Elementary and loved it. Then Frostproof High Schools. My sister went to Spook Hill Elementary. And apparently I did too, but I don't remember going. Must not have went long. MBTV, what's up, buddy? Just whippersnappers. I watched the moon landing at eight years old. So did I, but it was a rerun. You guys are crazy. I was born in the last millennium, says Dana. So was I. So was I. I was in the middle of that millennium. A little on the upper side of it. I was born in 74. And uh, a lot of things happened in 74. Some good movies came out in 74. April says, ouch. I know it's a shocking experience. Can be, yes. And I hated Sandspurs, by the way. What you call stickers. Those things are miserable to get in your feet. Real sharp spurs. And they're everywhere. You can't walk anywhere. April says, hello, MVTV. Good to see you, love. I call them stickers. Well, they'll stick you for sure. I call them sand spurs because they're primarily in the sand. 
1959 for me. High school in the 70s was exactly like the movie Dazed and Confused for me, at least. Yes, school was way different when we were kids, that's for sure. April says, yes, Dana says, it sounds funny. Born in the last millennium. It does sound weird, doesn't it? It's hard to believe we're that old. I never thought we'd make it this far. MVDV says, April et al. Or et tu. Or toot sweet. Or whatever French thing you're saying next. April says, a lot. LOL. Yep, a lot of sand spurs. Sand spurs and stinging needles. Or stinging nettles. Whatever, however you say it. Anyway, Florida sucks is what I'm getting at. I can walk anywhere I want to barefooted around here. Although I don't. Because I'm weird about my feet. But I used to be barefooted all the time. And then one day, and I remember it like it was yesterday, I was laying in the grass in the ditch in my yard, looking up at the, the clouds going by, and I was laying there, beautiful, lush, green grass. And I heard something out of my ear. And I turned my head, and I focused in on the grass, and I saw bugs crawling everywhere. And I jumped up off of that ground, and I ran in the house and took a shower, and I've never walked barefooted willingly outside again. I was born 41175. Jake, you were born. Hey, don't be giving my birth date away. 121074. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for sharing. Delilah. I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Sorry, Latin for all. By the way, I did get the 30-day Paramount Plus and almost wrapped up Picard Season 3. Believe they redeemed themselves. No spoilers, please. I won't give you any, but yes, I believe they did redeem themselves. Dana says, It's funny because not many people in our history could say they were born in the last millennium. We can say that. We are Gen X, Jake. Or as I like to refer to it, Gen RX. What's your social security number? Just curious, you understand. Oh, uh, 1186. I'm not telling you. Yeah, MVTV. Says April. My address, too. You already got my phone number, don't you? It's not hard to find. I'll give it to you, too. If you just go right here and send me a little email and tell me who you are. I'll give it to you. Then you can contact me 24-7 if you need to with questions or curiosities or just need somebody to listen. I am here for my peoples. If you need me to be. 
Be sure to hit that like button and subscribe to this channel. And also, if you haven't done so already, jump over to Untethered Live on Rumble. That's rumble.com slash untethered live. And see what we're doing over there. It's fantastic, and you don't want to miss a minute of it. It's good stuff over there, so go check that out. And also, while you're doing all those things, and my mouse is froze again. And the band. While you're doing those things. BJ, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake EJ, I've been a good doggy Best friend Right through it and bits EJ Thank you very much If I die before I wake EJ Enough of that Alright Did my part April says yes that's back in the good old days Oh yeah Back in the good old days. Dana says, heart. MVTV says, it's a riding lawnmower. And the damn mower deck is not engaging. Everything seems to be working. Believe in, in just adjustment. But I believe in an adjustment issue as I replaced the blades and had to dismantle it. It's probably an adjustment issue. Cowboys 8 panel says, I had to restart my phone. Well, you didn't miss a lot. I told you, told everybody what my age and social security number and address was. But other than that, you missed nothing. Oh, and that we're Gen X or RX. 94.9 Delilah Radio. Aha. Hey, there you go. You youngins. You got us all beat, don't you? I feel old sometimes. I also feel young sometimes, so go figure. It's a weird world we live in. I have never mowed grass in my life, says Dana. Wow, really? You must be hot. Are you gorgeous? Tell us the truth. That's the only way I can figure you got out of mowing grass. Either that or you live in the desert. That might be. I have to mow grass weekly. Cowboys 8 panel says, ha ha ha. Come on now, don't be bashful. MVDV says, it's a jungle here, and I have a huge compound, plus the access road between chest high alfalfa is starting to disappear into two faint jungle tracks. Yeah, I'd say you need to, a bush hog and cut some grass. Because you don't know what's in that high grass. You might mess up your lawnmower forever. I've done that a couple of times. Because I don't care. I'll drive it right in there. I have currently about seven riding lawnmowers, and one of them runs. Most of them I inherited, though. 
so it doesn't really count. I think about three of them are actually mine. April says, wow, MVTV sounds like Kevin's luck. I won't say what happened and where the mower ended up. Not one to two times, but three times, LOL. Oh, Kev, I think she's got your number, buddy. Cowboys 8 Pounds says, what a beautiful place you have in Montana. Yeah, it's pretty. And very scenic. Lots of, lots of view. Lisa Reen says, 1961 was a really good year. That the year you were born? Or were you there? Dana says, I live in a, in a old historical city of Prague, and all I see are ancient cobblestone streets. This is why I've never mowed grass. Oh, okay. Well, see, you could have took the high road and said you were hot, and I would have believed you. Cobblestones, that works. Not a lot of grass in cities. Apartment buildings don't have yards, so I understand. I live in a house on a street with a yard and lots of grass. April says, nice. MVDV says, yellow clover sprouted this year. Really clogs things up. But it looks like the Wizard of Oz, yellow hills outside the Emerald City. Cool. Do you ever go skipping down your driveway? I bet you do. I would. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Or whatever song that they were singing. It's been a while. Kevin was born in 1962. Dana smiles. 1962. My sister was born in 69. Nice. We're all old fogies here. I got to tell you, I'm all right with being old, except I ain't crazy about the white hair. I don't like that too much because I can't grow hair on my face, so I just look like a hobo. Go figure. I could shave, but I'm way too lazy for that. <coughs> MBTV says, I would love to see some real old cities. This is an 1883 homestead, and it's... Comparison to Prague, that's barely yesterday. Laughable. Uh-huh. I bet it looks pretty, MVTV, says April. Cowboys 8 panels smiles. It is pretty. I got news for you, though. Every place you have ever stood is over 6,000 years old. Ever. You just got some new stuff on it. It's really old place. Might be 20,000 years old or 30,000 or 50,000 or even a million. Never know. I don't quite think so, but it could be. There seems to be evidence to support it. Hey, says MBTV, what's cool is suddenly you rate all this elderly discount stuff I get discount internet, medical care, and 15% off old man discount at dispensaries, and usually some cred when cops stop me. Yeah, I don't get that. They just think I'm a hobo. 
I haven't quite reached the age of uh, AARP yet. I'm pushing it, though. Won't be long. I think I got seven more years. Then I can get AARP. I'm 49 this year. But I feel like I'm 120. But I started early. That's probably why. I was living on my own when I was 11 years old. Got my first job. See, what was my first job? First job was delivering papers. And I was uh, nine or ten then. My second job was roofing, and I was 11 then. And I was working ever since. Well, I break down with man sobbing. So combined with my looks, it usually works out, says MBTV. You mean when the cops pull you over, you go to, go to sobbing? <laughs> April says, that's Snow White. What's Snow White? And the Seven Dwarves, LOL. Oh, the hi-ho? I got you. You're a little behind. I'm a little behind. Yeah, that, some songs she was singing was just skipping down the yellow brick road. I just can't remember what it was. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz. That's it. Hi-ho, hi-ho. Off to work we go. MVTV says, 49 was before prime. Get seasoned better each year. Gads. That sounds like forever ago to me. And thing is, even my age now seems a what happened surprise. I understand. 11 years old. Amazing. Well, it wasn't amazing at the time. It seemed like the thing to do. I was an un unconventional kid. I don't think I've ever been young. Ask April. I was hanging out with adults my whole life. I never hung out with people my age. And uh, I don't think I've ever been young. I think I was born an old man. Anyway, it was about 11, somewhere in that area. I moved out and uh, was working a full-time job. And when I was 14, for sure, I was living with a woman in a condo in Bartow, Florida. Wow, Jake. If you got it, wow, Jake, you got it tough. But as I say, tough times make a man strong. Yeah. Well, I did have it tough, but I ain't complaining about it. That's just the way life is. I could tell you stories, though, that would curl your toenails. But that part of it wasn't the tough part. That was just life. I wanted to be a man. I was ready to be a man, so I went out and tried to be one. Didn't work out that well, but that's how it went. You know, I never stopped trying. I think I got married the first time when I was 17. Is that right, April? I think that's right. And uh, just kept collecting from there. MVTV says, I firmly think I remember laying in the crib by being incredibly frustrated because I could not form words to speak. Either that or you got really drunk and you remember that. <laughs> it's not unheard of. I remember being in the crib. Better than that, 
When I was six months old, I had a hernia operation. So I was born with a double hernia. Sometimes that happens to kids. Anyway, the lining that holds your guts up ripped and my guts fell. And so I had to have that repaired when I was six months old. And I can tell you what the office looked like where they had me in a plastic incubator. Post-surgery or pre-surgery, I don't know which, but I was there. I could tell you what the doctor looked like. I could tell you how many people were in the room and what they were doing for the space of about an hour. And I remember that. And I was six months old. So that's not unheard of. April says, right on, cowboy. Or right um, cowboy. I don't know which. <laughs> Both sound fun. April says, yes. To the, uh, is that right question? Yes. Double hernia. Freak, freak, freak. Sigh. <laughs> MVTV. Uh, I, I don't know what caused it. Maybe I strained too hard or something. Who knows? Birth defect or whatever. Anyway, I've got a wire mesh in my stomach holding my guts up, and it seems to be stronger than anything nature provided, so it hasn't given me any trouble since. And I grew up with it, so. It's probably gone now. It probably dissolved years ago. Who knows? April says, yay. Dana says, heart. It's one of those worlds, man. If you want to know about hard times, I can make you feel good about yourself. Both of us. Very true, says April. Hmm. I remember being in some kid hospital and getting into trouble for climbing out of the rail bed. I was constantly in hospital in the late 60s. L.A. smog almost killed me. Instant cure on moving, says MBTV. All it took was COVID-19 to make that smog go away in three days. It still hadn't returned, so go figure. It's almost like if they just took three days off of driving around, they could have solved that problem. Actually, it's like three weeks, but you get my point. Yeah, I remember the L.A. smog, but it's not there now, oddly enough. It may have returned by now, but I don't think it has. I also remember pictures of New York being smoggy. Hadn't seen pictures like that in a long time, though. Kind of makes you wonder what they were doing back then. It's different than now. Could it have been the lead in the gas? I don't know. You were 18, I think. Somewhere in that area, 17 or 18. Jeez, I was 53 when my friend Carol and daughter advised me to go away with days later. Found myself car camped in a cheap Corsica on two Med River, two Mead River, Med River in Glacier with no clues or plans. And it worked out, though, says MBTV. So you started moving when you were 53, huh? I started early. That's why I feel so old. By the time most people are getting started with their lives, I'd already lived one. I actually started much younger than that because... We had some 
complications after my sixth birthday. I was about seven or eight, somewhere in that area. And we left Georgia under duress, let's put it that way, and moved to Florida. And we kind of hid out for a while under duress, let's put it that way. Um, so my first memories are running for my life. The L.A. Basin has a lot of topographical issues making stringent air. I guess that's what that stagnant air. Add 50 times more emissions, etc. Oh, I ran away at 18 and been on the move ever since. Got it. Says MVTV. All right. I must go because I got to get up really early in the morning. Go to work. I love you guys. It's 10.05. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being so interesting. Thanks for all your love and support. Thanks for everything you do. Thanks for making the chat so interesting and getting me to divulge way too much truth about myself. It's a special thing you do there. Dana says, heart, heart back at you, sweetheart. Thank you for being here. Have a great night. I love you all. I can't wait to do this again tomorrow night at 8.30 right here be there or be slightly rectangular i'll see you all then but until thanks for watching